I'm Lucia Cabero Baptista, and you're listening to Decoding Automation, a no-code podcast brought to you by Leapwork. Welcome to another episode of Decoding Automation, where we'll be talking about the top trends to look out for this 2022. This past year has seen unprecedented challenges across every industry and country. The COVID-19 pandemic has severely impacted QA and IT strategy, forcing teams to become more agile and to do more with less. But the quality of IT remains a critical success factor globally. So what are the test automation trends for this 2022? Well, today I have two guests joining me on this episode, Anand Chandra from the renowned IT consultancy firm Acolyte Digital and Sune Engsi from Lipwork. So welcome to you both. Hi, thanks. Hi, Lucy. Before we start, why don't you tell me about yourselves and your background so that our listeners get to learn a bit more about you? So would you like to start, Anand? Quick introduction from my side. Anand Chandra, uh, in my capacity, I had the pre-sales globally for BFSI, for Eclite. I have roughly 20 odd years of industry experience and I've built trading systems all my life. So I have had my share of fun and joy with automation, testing, uh, a sweet tussle between a developer and a QA and the rest of the fraternity in SDLC. So I've seen all of that. Uh, very excited to be here. Uh, looking forward to a, an exciting conversation. So that's me. Thanks for that intro, Anand. So what about yourself, Sune? Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, also, extremely happy to be here with uh, not least you, Anand. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Really, really psyched about it. Um, I am uh, the evangelist here at Leapmark, also uh, uh, part of the product management team. Uh, so, so in charge of of what's happening next coming up in in the Leapmark software. When when I'm not sitting here talking to to the likes of Anand and Lucia. Sounds great. Exciting. So without further ado, let's start with the first trend. QA ops in DevOps, that is quality assurance operations in development and operations. Does this mean that organizations should aim as much as possible to make QA a shared responsibility? What are your thoughts on that? Who would like to start first? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I, being in services industry uh, and um, representing different shades of development life cycle in terms of how a product life cycle is built. QA is, is by and far the most important, critical, and many times underplayed in different forms and shape, uh, largely because there would always be a budget constraint, people constraint, and you would always undermine what needs to go in in terms of QA. So I believe one of the trends that is coming up in 2022 is to you know narrow that gap and uh, a more, much more firm handshake of operations within the DevOps piece of it, which basically means you would have a very strong QA ops as part of your continuous integration and deployment. And it would not be a too disconnected uh, work stream or in terms of uh, product backlogging, uh, and it would be all combined. And what I see is there would be a lot of effort that would be taken up by the organization to remove that silo that sits around QA to act, have them act as separate. And I think that's one of the trend has been there, but in 2022, with a lot of cloud emerging tech shaping up some of the transformation themes, you would see QA ops becoming an integral part of DevOps uh, and not to separate from each other. So I, I believe that's one of the things that I'm seeing. Sorry? 
Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. This is this is a, an absolute have to uh, in terms of of also removing that bottleneck feeling that I know surrounds uh, you know QA as such. You know, being seen as as this uh, you know obviously required. No one's questioning QA, but everyone, or at least a lot, is also seeing it as as you know a bump on the road. Uh, but you know, technologies and practices are. Are here and they're ready to also, as you say, Anand, embrace QA into a more operational context to to rid the the delivery life cycle of these of these um, you know hard coded faces, if you will, uh, which which is uh, essentially potentially uh, dragging things, uh, slowing them down instead of of achieving the the highest possible velocity for for your delivery. So I absolutely agree. I think one of the challenges in this, though, uh, with many of these organizations, given that uh, that we have QA teams sitting as sort of a, a, a thing culturally, mentally, um, something that you associate with at the end of things, right? Just before you go live and, and to, to make that shift, to make the QA exercise being something that sort of is more permeating into all the other aspects and making it much more a part of that fluent liquid way of working which is so much uh you know when i'm not trying to be too uh you know uh, term specific in when we talk about uh, qa ops devops and all of that but really essentially the the ability of 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 making things happen when and where they're needed as opposed to looking at maybe definitions from the past uh, that's certainly something that I see when talking to to some of our clients when they are embracing automation, and obviously in QA, there and test there are so many stages and phases, and and these will will impact and and influence the types of testing done and so forth. So so obviously that adds some complexity to it, but uh, but that fundamental change which automation introduces uh, is is often uh, underestimated, and I think. Uh, the point here of 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 seeing the QA ops being, you know, the emerging thing, saying right, this is what we need to have as part as an integral part of our delivery lifecycle, and and how we define it, is um, is it's going to be crucial. I hundred percent percent agree that um, testing and QA has to be a, an integral part in every single stage of the life lifecycle. It shouldn't be left um, just to the end, right? I don't know if there's anything else, Anand. You would like to add? No, I think uh, I could not have summarized it uh, better. What Sunea said: there are different shades and there are different cycles within QA, and the importance of it getting meshed up into the uh, development lifecycle in different tranches and stages. You will see a different agile shaping around the QA as well to bring it more inclusive into the team. And I think that's what Sunay is alluding to. So I could not agree more. Uh, I completely agree that would be the trend in 2022. That's great. Well, the second trend um, we're going to be talking about today is data-driven test automation. This may not seem like a new thing uh, at first. Of course, it has already been a focus uh, the past few years, but new regulations mean that data ecosystems call for continuous compliance testing. Is that correct? Yeah, and it and and you are absolutely right, Lushi. It's it's the way you look at data-driven test automation. The whole epicenter, the whole model of automation framework is built on the fact that the data would be plugged in as part of the feed-in, and then you have an output. So it is not new 
that you would have a data-driven automation. But what is thematic, which is appearing now is the adoption of cloud has taken up a different pace. And now with that said, the jurisdiction that sits around the governance that surrounds the remit of cloud is also evolving, getting firmed up. And that is then making systems behave and act differently based on which cloud service provider that region may not be. Because uh, one cloud service provider may not be a popular choice in the other region. And what is happening in this multi-jurisdiction environment, the system is same, is singular entity. You may call it a microservices different architecture from an architecture perspective, but it's still a singular entity for an application viewpoint from a deployment viewpoint. And that is where the different fabric of the system changes, whether it's your big data technology, whether it is your AI that sits on it, some of the analytics that sits on it. Your underlying technology choices also vary based on the CSP that you have chosen, based on the compatibility that they have. And hence, the data-driven test automation becomes even more important because the application is still the same, but the data with which it behaves with the fabric of the technology is changing. And that is what you need to check, validate, wet in terms of completeness, consistency. And I think that would be huge in not just in 2022, but for next few years, because the APIs would be APIs, but the data still needs to be tested across the jurisdiction. I think that's one of the things uh, that uh, would be very prevalent in the coming days and years. Yeah, I, I totally agree. What we see, and you know, we even see it, uh, so obviously uh, working out of Europe for our part, uh, we see it talking to, to some of, especially the European government clients and, and the challenges they are facing with uh, the requirements coming from where data needs to be residing inside the EU or you know, vice versa for that matter. And what does that mean? Um, well, obviously, from a from a regulatory perspective, it's it's uh, almost clear as day, but certainly impacting then, all right, then I'm building the application. It's running on whatever, Azure, Amazon, right? And where's the data? Uh, what are the requirements for me to protect it? But also, and I think this is the point you're getting at, Anand, right? So given that it's running on under different jurisdictions, but servicing the same application, what will happen? And and this, this is this is a very interesting dynamic, right? Because it's sort of out of the hands of both developers and business owners. This is a third player coming in. If you're a global entity, uh, that you need to take care of. And how do you validate essentially the same business but in different jurisdictions um, and 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 managing those impacts um, wherever they are relevant? Uh, that's going to be a huge challenge. And I guess the point that you're coming from with with the um, uh, with the data-driven approaches is securing the the uh, the application as a whole, uh, which which obviously comprises tons of data, uh, and making sure that they will remain working. And for me, and the the angle that that uh, the conversations that that we are usually having, obviously being somewhat closer to the user experience. And when I say user experience, uh, I'm talking you know employees, or I'm talking users of a given service. It, really doesn't matter in terms of ensuring that, okay, then, so we can build a lot of things on the abstract layer in terms of saying, well, this applies for the data when here, and this applies for it when used here or whatever, uh, but making sure that things end up acting as expected from a user's perspective is some of the things where I, where I feel at least that this has been somewhat um, overseen 
um, it's been sort of assumed that, right, this is, it's the same application and we're doing these and these things under the hood somewhere deep down in the dungeon. And then obviously it'll work at, at the other end. And then in some instances, uh, at least what we found uh, experience-wise is that some of these clients wake up and they see it's not quite working that way. Uh, there are these devils in the detail um, and, and it really takes that user impression to validate the end-to-end -end process. So I think this more than everything maybe talks into that importance of embracing and, and uniting those disciplines within, within quality assurance as a whole, focusing on, on, on you know, the, the code-based side of things. And when I say that, you mean the, the atomic parts, the unit-based parts, all of those things, which is so far away from the end user experience that you can maybe possibly imagine, but then without omitting that other dimension as well as part of that combined package. What do you think, Anand? I think uh, you're absolutely right. So then at Ecolite Digital, some of the engagements that we have seen specifically on the hybrid cloud programs. And if you look at a business domain like treasury or fund technology for some of the tier one clients that we work in the financial services segments, or when you look at telecom, or when you look at healthcare, uh, specifically in the financial services segment, in the the treasury, the product control aspect of it. It's extremely important to segregate the sanctity of jurisdiction. There are GDPR, there is digital payments, there is open banking, and there is a lot of hooks and connectivity to the application. And at every point, you need to make sure that the data is consistently passed around. And that's where the application as a whole uh, constantly needs to be looked at. So several examples uh, where Acolyte is seeing where uh, data-driven test automation, and that is where uh, test automation in its entirety is, is a very critical aspect to uh, uh, high-quality-driven deployment in a very fast-paced environment as well in terms of changes. And I think it's, it's very important because you really can't separate cloud now. It's, it's married into it, whether it's on-prem, whether it is uh, completely native. But in hybrid cloud structure, we see that extremely, extremely uh, high end. So that agreed with you. Absolutely. What's your impression, by the way, in terms of having those those clean cut cloud deployments and those hybrid deployments? And I'm guessing, at least from our chair, you know, it's, it's still hybrid the most, um, certainly when we come to the well-established enterprises. But what do you see, what do you see from your chair? And also what do you see as the trend from these organizations with that heavy legacy uh, side to them? Uh, so the experience that we at Ecolite Digital seeing is clearly hybrid is the choice. You can call it, the definition of hybrid also is sometimes hybrid between regions. Some call it multi-cloud, some call it hybrid, depends what of service catalog you use, but hybrid from a certain elements of the application on-prem, certain sits on it. Infrastructure as a code still picking up. There is a lot of burst. There is a lot of sharding that it kicks in, but hybrid is definitely the way forward. 60, 75% of the application that would get built in. The legacy that sits in, and I, I largely like to call it heritage, not legacy with all due respect, yeah, because point. heritage is something you carry forward with you. Legacy is something that you let go of. And the mm, more good point. heritage that you have, you definitely have to have a hybrid structure. There are engagements where we are working on the next generation platforms that are very cloud native, very, very uh, completely on cloud. But 
it's sometimes a wrapper that connects to the heritage and gives you an impression that it's it's not necessarily entirely cloud. So those are some of the examples I can give out. Yeah. Brilliant. I love that term heritage. I'm going to steal that uh, because <laughs> you are exactly right. You know, talking about legacy, then people are assuming, okay, so when's it going away? <laughs> uh, which True. which it isn't necessarily. So yeah, brilliant. Okay. Well, now, now that you're actually talking about cloud, um, the third test automation trend that we are going to touch upon is cloud QA or testing. So Gardner predicts that by 2023, the number of enterprise workloads that are deployed in cloud infrastructure and platform services will double in comparison to 2020. So with an increasing number of companies moving to the cloud, what does this really mean for QA? So Lushi, carrying on from the point that I mentioned on uh, the embracement, the adoption of cloud. It's not necessarily a challenge anymore. People have already made their choice of the CSP. They know what sort of templates that needs to be used. There have been more successful engagements and deployments on cloud. You're not necessarily experimenting, but one of the key trends is, you know, it would, test automation would continue to play a pivotal role in terms of embracing infrastructure as a code, which includes your storage networks, your interconnected servers on on-prem, which are, which, are, which are your hooks to the heritage. And then you continue to build your cloud native services, which is your API first or cloud first element of your extension of your applications. And that is where you would see a lot of standardization of infrastructure and application delivery. And it can all be stitched together with a very strong test automation. And that's what the industry is now calling cloud QA. And it's it's the technology part of it. It's the element part of it. And that's going to be very important. And uh, the other aspect that we see, and it's very prevalent, you had this a traditional bank and you had these new banks and Acolyte Digital is now experiencing that there is a lot of synergy we see between these new banks, the challenger banks, or what you call it uh, in terms of the traditional banking. And there is a lot of fintechs that are coming in and majority of them are much ahead in their cloud journey. And the banks are still catching up or the financial services are still catching up from a counterparty viewpoint, brokerage or your institutional or investment corporate banking. And that is one of the big trends is, you know, it would allow you to remove that barrier of innovation and cloud would be that platform that would synergize the innovation for uh, different uh, st steps of the bank. And that's where cloud QA would come in and would be very, very pivotal. Uh, and that's what we are experiencing at Ecolite Digital. Uh, let's only answer from a product uh, viewpoint, but that's from a services viewpoint. That's clearly a trend. Absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. And obviously, you avoided both the word heritage and legacy there, talking about those BFSIs, but obviously <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's a significant part of it. And I think, I mean, that's uh, what I what I see emerging and when talking to the organizations that they're still struggling to get that that momentum that they've discovered coming from these these modern approaches. Let's call it that from from agile, from whatever it is, on those those parts of their technology stack, which is not heritage. They're really still struggling to keep that and to gain that momentum uh, sitting side by side, so to speak, uh, with the, you know, the latest and greatest and, and the heritage. That remains uh, a challenge in these organizations, which, of course, 
is uh, is a crucial uh, challenge to to overcome in this uh, particular topic uh, when we're talking about uh, QA uh, for cloud services uh, or for cloud deployments, be they hybrid or whatever shape and size. Um, because these organizations, they essentially they need to to if they can't get momentum up and running on on these on on that side of their infrastructure, so to speak, um, you know they're they're going to be sacking behind. And uh, I, I think we should you know especially when we talk about certain types of air test technologies, uh, I'm thinking mainframe here. You know, it's not going anywhere. It's it's not as if to say that these technologies, which is I, I guess a part of those bulk. Um, configurations when we talk about hybrid uh, it's due to having these well-established um you know thoroughly implemented and, and all-encompassing technologies running in these organizations obviously they're not going anywhere so we need to look at it from that perspective of saying having cloud qa having cloud qa and testing in those hybrid configuration encompassing both of these uh, equally and without uh, prejudice meaning you know, you need to be able to obtain the same speed and capability uh, working in, in both uh, both parts of, of the technology timeline, if you will. Um, and obviously we see um, both frameworks to do these things and as well as uh, solutions, technologies, uh, partners uh, rising to that challenge and making things come true, be that from the uh, from the end user experience perspective or the uh, the end to end perspective, as well as uh, during the the delivery lifecycle. I think uh, just to add, Sone, uh, in that context, uh, you are absolutely right. The mainframes are not going air, uh, anywhere, and I'll give you another example, which sits alongside that. Uh, if you look at some of the uh, trading systems, some of the risk management systems, some of the collateral management systems within the financial services gamut and different stakeholders and different players within the trade lifecycle, some of these platforms have become so popular, but they are so dated in terms of they have now taken up a shape of a heritage and their journey to the cloud is extremely important because now they sit and interact with an ecosystem which is very, very API-based, which is very FinTech-based, which is very open banking sort of base. And that is where uh, uh, there is another part of the ecosystem which is now continuing to become as big and as unchangeable or irreplaceable as mainframes. And you cannot let go of that. And that's where Cloud QA suddenly becomes equally important because you need to then suddenly check the validity and wetness of what would come in and what would go out and how the trade uh, would behave in the hybrid setup uh, pre and post. I think that's uh, very similar to your mainframe setup mm. in a financial services cabinet. Absolutely agree. Um, absolutely agree. And and uh, I think that's also a perfect bridge uh, to, because to, you, you've talked about API on a, on a couple of, of, of occasions, right? So, so that, that's a very good, uh, you could say, illustration to uh, one of those futures that we're also looking into, uh, while not necessarily uh, uh, one of the official topics, but this whole you know API of things, right? That trend that we're also seeing, where everything business-wise capabilities and functionalities being first and foremost APIs being exposed, you know, exposing business functionality and then being uh, you know stitched together in all all uh, ends of the world in in different contexts, really, um, which I think is 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 a you know, an important trend as well to talk into uh, you brought to the table uh, during our conversation. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. 
And I think it's also important for companies to understand this, that these sort of like out of the box um, SAS like still need to be tested. You know, they they still need to make sure that it's in sync with uh, legacy apps. And, and, you know, Absolutely. as you mentioned, so legacy apps are not going anywhere. No, they're not. And and that's actually also, it's a very good point to see it because obviously I've, I've and I'm sure this, I, I guess this goes for, for you guys as well. And I'm, you know, having had my share of conversations with, organizations sort of thinking that, okay, then here comes this new shiny uh, SaaS alternative or iteration of, 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 of a given technology. And, you know, it just works. I just need to deploy it. And then they completely forget the dimension of, yes, it is standardized tooling, but it's sitting on top of, you know, heritage uh, or highly customized, whatever you want to call it, internal business processes and making those two ends meet. Well, basically, just means that whatever QA team you had sitting there before you went SaaS is, is still going to be there after, and and that's um, that's an important expectation to, I guess, to navigate um, and adjust and align with, uh, also Absol- in your line of work and on. Absolutely, and and to Lucy's point, you're absolutely right. It's when you when you rebuild an ecosystem, when you look at it from a business process optimization or business process reengineering. The moment you take a choice of business process reengineering, suddenly the new ecosystem could be a SaaS-based platform that sits on a completely different network protocol, and you have, you have to interact with uh, dimensions of it which are still your heritage, which you're not going to let go of, and you have to carry forward with all due respect to it. And at that point, your reengineering suddenly takes a completely different backstep if you do not have a very clear cloud QA strategy. Process optimization, on the other hand, can still survive. But as soon as you talk about process reengineering, is the different way of doing business in a faster way of doing the value chain. Uh, you definitely require a very strong cloud QA, and that's going to be a trend in 2022 and beyond, and not necessarily limited to 2022. Definitely, definitely. So um, finally, the last test automation trend to watch out for this 2022 is scaled automation. So how can organizations obtain tangible business benefits from the application of the automation technology? You know, uh, at Ecolite Digital, it's uh, it's something that we look at it and it's, it's, it's an industry way of looking at it is people, process and technology. And you have a people part, you have a process part, and you have a technology uh, part and share to make any um, uh, initiative uh, as part of an ecosystem successful, in this case, test automation, cloud in terms of cloud QA is a technology part of it. It talks about uh, assets, fabrics, networks, storage servers. QA ops was a more process approach, a discipline, a view of it. And skilled automation is a people part. Uh, what at Ecolite Digital follow we, in, in terms of seed and scale model of how do you take some of the strong pillars from one existing board and move that uh, set of people and continue that best practices into the next uh, set of new pods for the new feature sets that are going to build is how you would see scaled automation. Uh, The other important thing that we are seeing in some of the engagements that we are currently running is what we call it, or what, what some of our clients jointly like to call is a central team, which is basically a combination of your enterprise architect, your cloud architect, your API architect, you have some of your product owner, decision makers, you have your business sponsor. And traditionally, QA did not find its space for a very long time. It found, but it was more of a silent uh, 
sponsor that sits into that uh, committee of uh, while QA will do what everybody else would decide. But what you would see it in 2022 is uh, a very greater role being played by QA leads, the automation leads that would sit into that central team and then percolating the best practices across the different boards as you and you apply the seed and the scale model. And I think that's 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 going to be a big trend in 2022. Scaled automation, which is basically the fungibility of best practices that sits within the people as a tacit knowledge from one pod to the other, one feature team to the other, is something that uh, you will see a lot, lot in the coming days. Uh, and, and it's a very important part of uh, a successful test automation test engineering uh, structure uh, in, in the services landscape. But I'll let Sune comment on his experience. I, I absolutely agree. I was just about to say, you know, I can I can vouch for that for, for you know, based on, on the experience that I've had talking to, to our clients. One of the things that we emphasize as one of the, you know, very first things, even, you know, before, you know, we make the deal uh, is to say to them, guys, you know, you may be looking at the tool right now because that's you know what you just set out to to solve, but the, the the essential challenge is yeah you need the tool, but you also need to have a very well structured uh, organization in place. I say organization, um, and I, you had some other names for it in terms of uh, and and where's it coming from? The bottom line, automation uh, in QA, but in general. Uh, to me, no doubt, is emerging as a pillar of its own uh, within these uh, these modern uh, organizations. Once they've taken that decision to have automation as part of what it takes to enable their business, to, to boost their business ability, and so forth and so forth, be that as part of an acceleration agenda, being as part of, you know, just, an, you know, their standard way of working. For all of these organizations, it applies that they need that consolidated approach to automation. They need to ensure that uh, teams across uh, you know, be that delivery trains or whatever it is, whatever context you're looking at it from, they need to have a shared uh, definition of success. What does, and, and you know, best practices, what does it mean when I reapply a given functionality? What are the requirements to, to you know, controlling of quality in terms of the data that I'm using and so forth and so forth? Very, very specific and tactical things, but nonetheless, having someone in place to make those calls on behalf of the greater team, because one of the things that we're seeing from automation perspective, of course, uh, you know, without any disclaimers, we are representing the, the no-code outfit side of things, which obviously essentially means that automation becomes accessible for a wider audience compared to the, uh, to the you could say, already governant uh, employees coming with, with the developer's background. That only exacerbates the problem and challenge and requirement of defining these shared practices and approaches and governances that will ensure that automation is deployed in a consistent, a transparent, a governed, uh, a predictable manner uh, using uh, not just one, but maybe several uh, approaches and frameworks which will come into the mix because there will be technology dependencies on, on the things that you want to work with and automate for, in a QA context, for example, and, and so forth and so forth. So having those things sitting on top, and I'm going to be brief now, sorry, I'm, this is one of my this is one of my new year's resolutions i want to nudge that perspective inside of the organizations right and and 
really challenge these organizations, which has sort of a, a, a you know a back reaction saying, right, oh, this needs to be solved using a specific way of work, be that developers, be that something else. We need, if we want to lever, you know, uh, make make a reality out of those shared uh, the QA ops point that we were making previously. If we want to make a a reality out of of and and making a success story out of this hybrid deployment cloud QA testing challenge that we just talked about, we need to get the skills and teams and and capacities to work together uh, and without making it into a uh, you know be that a tooling or a discipline or a skills battle because you know the enterprises don't have the time for it and it's really not productive what do you think Anand? no absolutely and uh, that is where the word scaled comes in yeah exactly. uh, for these large organizations to scale at pace at consistency something that is repeatable something that is measurable something that is traceable it has to have that fungibility, that fabric that sits between the teams. And it, 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 it cannot be a standalone way of looking at a team and it has to be holistically looked at. And uh, it's definitely gonna be a big, big element. You would have a consistency in the learning path. You would still have a consistency in the way you would look at low-code, low-code technologies. And you touched upon that. At the same time, uh, there would be a lot of trend on empowering and building that skill into the team that's actually going to use that platform and framework. And I think that is where the word uh, scaled automation would start to take more meaning. It's not necessarily about throwing 10 more automation QA to achieve automation, but it's about reusability of what they create as artifacts from exactly. one feature team to the other. And I think that's where the meaning of the word scale is slightly different to what traditionally what we have been looking at it in terms of adding more people. Uh, it's not necessarily about that anymore. What about what about adding or, or creating an automation center of excellence? Would that be a solution or an answer to this? It, if you look at it from a center of excellence perspective, if you look at it from practices perspective, it definitely would then become a gatekeeper for your people, process, and technology. Uh, the center of excellence or an automation QA would then drive your, uh, the way Sune described, a no-code uh, framework would then be supported by QAs who come from a very strong development background. Nurturing of that skill would be responsibility of a center of excellence. The QA ops discipline of it, of very sharp balance between where does QA comes into the DevOps part of it, would then be responsibility and ownership of QA center of excellence. And clearly from a scaled automation perspective, it would be it would something that would be driven uh, by the QA team. And in fact, this QA center of excellence core representative would then automatically become a double hat in the central team that I was referring to. And that is where the top-down approach, um, a successful DevOps is a top-down approach or a bottom-up approach choice and a top-down approach has traditionally worked. Similar to that, a QA automation CUE would then become part of central QA or a central team, which would have architects, cloud architect, API, and so on, and would then drill down into the different teams. I completely agree that would be, uh, uh, I don't want to use the word variant. It's very scary right now, but yeah, that would be one of the variants that would happen. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I don't know if there's anything else any of you would like to add to that. I'm being mindful of time here because uh, you can just throw pennies in us and we'll, st we'll stay talking. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Yes. Well, 
Then I would like to say thank you to both of you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Lucia. Thank you, Sune, for your time. And uh, I hope the listeners find this useful. And thank you uh, again uh, to giving Apple a digital an opportunity for such an amazing platform and come and participate. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank Anna. you. So if, so if you enjoyed this episode and would like to get more wisdom from these two experts, they will be joining forces again in our upcoming webinar, Setting Up Test Automation as a Business Enabler, where they will talk about setting up a successful automation strategy after a system migration and with a Salesforce example. So to find out more information, visit LeapWorks website and click on webinars under our resources tab or go directly to www.leapwork.com slash resources slash webinars. That was a little bit long. That was a, that was a good URL. So we, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so with that, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I'm Lucia Cavero-Baptista, and this is Decoding Automation, a no-code podcast brought to you by LeapWork. Mm-hmm.